0: Hello guys and welcome to to Happy Single Single Mums. Are you really just going to copy everything I'm saying? Yes! (laughs) Hello guys and welcome to Happy Single Mums, a podcast surrounding real single mummy life talking about subjects from self-doubt to business to baby father drama, sex and loneliness. I want to ask real questions to my guests about real single mummy life. Can you really be happy and can you be happy as a mum in general? every episode will deliver the best hard-hitting topics surrounding mummy life and the innate goal to try and find real happiness so here's your host me Khalifa I lose control and I get Hi guys and welcome to the Happy Single Mums Podcast. I'm your host Khalifa. Today we have a magnificent lady from the States. Her name is Tanisha Manning. She is a fellow YouTuber and her YouTube is called Single Mums Plus You. Tell us about your single mummy story as well as yourself as well.
1: Oh my gosh, so that's a loaded question. Um, So first, I guess my single mom journey has been interesting. It has been a bump in the road. So initially, when I initially got pregnant, I was 16. And I had my oldest daughter, who is now 26 and 17. I was a senior in high school when I had her. And of course, you know, but I was a straight A student very smart, whatever. So surprisingly, somebody got got pregnant. Um, I'm from, like you said, the States, but I'm originally from Chicago, um, Illinois. And so that was the first run. And so I was like, look, I'm going to finish school. You know, I'm not going to um, do what I need to do or whatever. And I remember my grandfather, who is the only person that I wanted, I didn't want to break his heart. And when he learned that I got pregnant, he was like, don't have any more. So I was like, okay, great. I'll go to school. And then I guess after getting into college, I got a a great job. Like in high school, I was working at the YMCA and I was just like a part of this little I don't know. These ladies just surrounded me and was like my mentors at the time. You know, mentors wasn't just in common, but they were just like my mentors, my family. And they were encouraging me to finish school. And I had a bump in the row, you know, I still didn't learn how to date and do anything. So then I met my ex-husband when I was like 19 or 18 years old. And so around the time I got pregnant again, and I was like a sophomore in college at the time, I was just feeling so embarrassed. Through the embarrassment of that, I just decided to like get married because I didn't want, I thought that, you know, single moms or, didn't want to be the statistics. It was like better to be married. Plus I'm a, I'm a church girl, grew up in church. And so I didn't want the embarrassment that I had before when I got pregnant. Um, so I was like, okay, I'm gonna get married. So then that marriage lasted like seven years. I had to raise my girls. And they're great girls, and I'm doing great oh,
0: awesome. with them. So you felt, did you feel like the because you got pregnant, there was pressure on you? As, was it like your family that was giving you pressure, or yourself, or society, or religiously, Like you felt that there was pressure to get
1: married? I think it was a combination of it all, right? So, and I think that's one of the reasons why I have single mom plus you. Not necessarily that you are more than just a single mother or what happened or what thing that happened to you you really are still you so you do need to take care of yourself but what I was doing was like all the shame of like first I had went through it already with being like having a child a senior in high school and then my coaches and things like it was a blessing that I had my child during the summer and I was like a slim girl. And I didn't really show when I got pregnant until like the last two or three months, like, you know, the last month or so. And that's just how my pregnancy was. So through high school, I had my daughter during the summer. By the time I went back to school, nobody really knew that I had a baby. Some people knew. And so it was like, it was just really an embarrassment and people having like books and stuff like that. So, and then when I go to church, the church is speaking against like um yeah. and, you know, all these things like, you know, you need to be married and all that. So I'm thinking, Hey, well, might as well go and get, you know, get, get married, yeah. <laughs> which was really <laughs> special because I didn't want to like, you know, I don't think my mom or anybody is just, so much pressure and what you're trying to like, please at that time. I was like, pleasing everybody yeah. and what they, what I thought they would be doing and actually hurting myself even more.
0: Yeah, I think that it's, it's difficult cause I'm I'm a Christian myself. And I think for me, um I had church hurt. How would they call it? I had church hurt because there was a time whereby I got pregnant. I think I was around um, 16 or so. And I told them pregnant, but I'm not going to go through with the pregnancy. So then I then was known for the girl that had an abortion and then years later again and that relationship with the same guy didn't last, I was then known as the girl that's a single mom, and then I mm. had so much condemnation, not, uh, thank God I'm set free from it now, but I'm just saying that like, oftentimes we live our lives for other people and the realisation that people will talk whether you do good or whether you do bad, but you have to do what's best for you because people you and one thing that I've learned especially even this year is that the only relationship that I need to cultivate in life is even the one with my child is not as important as one relationship I have with God like he is the only person that I should be worried about okay look what does God think about this or how am I going to approach this because there are going to be times whereby there are going to be days where you are in the dark space, and you are alone, and you right. can't share certain things with your kids, you can't share it with right. your mom, you can share it with your dad, because they might be like, get up, what's wrong with you? And God has mm-hmm. been the only thing, and the only person that I've been able to pour out my spirit to, and my hurt to, mm-hmm. and not felt a condemnation, and all and he's always had his arms open. So I've always said it on my platform, that I don't know how people can do single motherhood without knowing God. It's like, uh, how are you right. doing this? It's hard. It's I want very to talk about you and the fact that you are a survivor.
1: Yes, <laughs> um,
0: yes, yes, share with us, because I feel like it would be so beneficial to, to moms listening, um, your story, your cancer survivor story.
1: Yes. Well, let me go back to what you just said, too, about yeah. sometimes not being able to share with your children. I have learned over the years, and one of the reasons why I've been able to heal is that I healed in front of them and I was a lot more open about things that happened to me. Mm-hmm. And and I, you know, Jesus died, like you said, that we are believers in Christ. First, you share it with God, but then he also gives you the freedom to break from the shame of the things that have happened to you so that you may be able to free up what your children might be thinking as you are going through your journey and raising them. And so that has made us a little bit more bonds. I wanted to make sure I brought that out. But in terms of my survival story um, in breast cancer, so I was initially diagnosed with breast cancer when I was 34 years old. Um, it was pretty much a shock because I it was shocking to the doctors as well, because I did not have breast cancer in my family. And one doctor later on decided, explained to me that most women that are diagnosed with breast cancer don't have it in their family. I said, that's not something that is being explained often, but she said, I know. So I was like, wow. And mine wasn't as, you know, like uh, what you would see, like a lump or something like that when I was 34, I had this discharge. And if you breastfed your children, I breastfed my youngest daughter, and um you still have some leakage sometimes if you you're nursing or whatever for years like i nursed her my youngest for about a pretty much her first year entire year and so year. i still it took me the whole year mhm i and i it took me some time to kind of dry up but the right breast really never dried up you know so every while normal i just kind of like check my breast and part of my checking is to check to see if there's still some leakage and so for a while there was you know it was none and so when I actually squeezed one time it came out with like this dark blood almost and I was like what is this and I was thinking like you know I have bad I have allergies and you can probably hear a little bit because I'm kind of stuffed up now but I was I had this dress on that had like you know like a I go to bed I don't really use gowns to go to bed I go to bed in dresses I don't know but so, so it had this little elastic spot like like right up under my breast And one side of it was completely brown. When I noticed that it was one side, I was like, okay, this is leaking. And so I started, you know, then, you know, we all go to Dr. Google because Dr. Google is it. So it's kind of like saying it was like a benign, it's nothing, nothing to be worried about. But I had remembered um, going to my doctor, calling my gynecologist. I was like, hey, this is something going on. I don't know what's going on. So when she checked it, she was like, yeah, it looks weird. So then she ordered um, a, um, what you call those things, a mammogram and a sonogram. She actually said, because I was 34 at the time, mammograms, this is something that I try to make sure that I express a lot is mammograms cannot detect. I don't know at that time that was 2014. So I don't know where in 2022, I know that they have advanced some things, but at the time I was, adv- I was advised that it cannot detect cancer in those that are younger than 40. So that's why they add the sonogram to it. And I think it's the same way because I have another friend whose mom does it And they still do the sonogram. So I always recommend people do the sonogram on top of your mammogram. So when I had the sonogram, sonogram showed nothing. But then when I had the mammogram, not the mammogram, the, son, the mammogram showed nothing. When I went to the sonogram, sonogram showed that there was some papilloma, like this little duck yeah. blockage in my. Um, my nipple or whatever. So you have so many ducts. I was like, you learn stuff about your body. Mm-hmm. So I, you know, they looked in it or whatever, and then they're like, um, you can decide to take it out or not. And I was like, oh, okay. So I went to church. One of my and my pastor at the time was like, anything foreign in your body, you need to take it out. I said, well, okay. Well, I'm gonna go get it, take it out. So I found a breast surgeon, and then I research researched her, and I was like, hey, I need to get this done. She was like, well, I don't know. I mean, most people keep it in. But if you want to take it out, I'll take it out. So she took it out. And any tissue that they take from you, they send to the lab just for and testing. She comes back and she's like, I got to go back in. Because that's how careless, well, I won't say she was careless, but she just had this absolute thought that nothing was going on. Like, she just didn't. So she was like, I didn't take enough tissue. I was like, really? Yeah. So I gotta go back in. She was like, I'm so, so sorry. So she goes back in, pulls the rest of the tissue out. It's confirmed that it's stage zero. Now I never even heard of stage zero. I thought one through four. So it actually stays in the in the in the in the breast, and it hasn't spread through the lymph nodes or anything like that. So stage zero. So I have what you call like I have blood that can be, I have factor five that can be you know, where I can get clots and things like that. And chemo or anything related to chemo can cause clots. So there's this medication that I couldn't take that most people that were in my stage can take it for at least five to 10 years after they go through surgery. So I had a double mastectomy in 2014, had a huge major surgery because all Mm three of my doctors was like, you got to have it. So you will not have any problems coming back. And then I didn't want the expanders. I didn't want any implants because those things will have the potential of you getting surgery again. So I was like, I want it done. I ain't gotta worry about it again. Mm-hmm. So fast forward to 2020, I'm on the phone with one of my homegirls, and I was just like, yeah, yeah, you know, you got your arm up and you like laying down. And I was like, wait a minute, hold up. And I got up, like, wait a minute. I just feel that you go on this side, I was on this side. I was like, wait a minute there's a huge lump on my arm. Freaked me out. Um, But even after having the surgery, and because I used tissue, I didn't use any expanders or any implants. I used my own tissue. When I was actually like, you know, throughout the process, I would get little, you know, lumps and stuff like that. So it's kind of like, okay, that's not like it's rare, but it was really scary. So then, you know, I go to the doctor. Of course, they're going to order a sonogram because Now that I no longer have breasts, the mammogram still can't help me. That's why I say sonogram is the way to go. So sonogram goes in, lady looks, and you know, you can pay attention to people's body language. And I was like, Mm -hmm. something's wrong. You know, but the doctor is not uncommon for every time that you have a sonogram for the doctor to come in. And the doctor to come in and be like, hey, um, everything's okay or everything's not okay. Right? So it's it's not uncommon for the doctor to come in after that. So the doctor comes in. We're in six feet situation. Everybody got the mask on because this is during COVID. Um, He, you know, I could just tell by body language. I'm looking at his eyes. I'm looking at his body language. He was like, you need to go to your doctor, like right away, right? And I was just feeling like at that moment I was breaking down. Like I was like, something's wrong. Something's really, really wrong. And then I go to the doctor. And then she didn't even have the stuff set up. Like she was just like, I don't think this is an issue. Again, she's doing the same stuff that she did initially. She was like, I just don't think this is an issue because I went doc- back to the same. Yeah, I went back to my doctor and she's like, No, I don't think it's good. But then when she looked with her sonogram, she's like, oh, Let me just check. So then she checks and then uh, she takes the biopsy of the of the area and it's confirmed that it's uh cancer and she was and then we had a call, a vertical call. When when it wasn't a phone call but a video call, I knew it wasn't a good call. Um uh, when she told me that I was just like stuck, right? But she instantly wanted to go through surgery, do chemo, like do a whole lot of, I feel like sometimes in my the whole journey of cancer is that they take you through assembly line. Like it's like well we're gonna do this, we're gonna do this. I was like, hold up, pump your brakes. I gotta first figure out and process what you just gave me. You know, and I know sometimes they want to like save your life, but I, I don't know. And then then I had the scans and then she refers me to the oncologist because she's just a surgeon. He's the oncologist that's going to do all the medication and he's going straight chemo, straight whatever. And you ain't even had the scans. You don't even know what's going on. My body, he's talking about surgery, scans, this. And I'm like, you don't even know. So when he did that, I had another doctor that I really liked that was more caring and one-on-one with you. So I had made an appointment with him. And during the process of all my scans, CT scans, I had learned that it had metastasized to this area, this chest area, both of my lungs and um, my hip bone. And ironically, before that, I had had, you know, like June in 2021, before COVID and all that, I was like really, really like sick. Like and I didn't know why. Like I was weak and I was tired and I was going to the doctors. They was making it seem like I was like you know, like they try to put like, you know, it's nothing yeah. wrong. We've taken all the tests and I'm like, there's this pain on my right side. And what it ended up being was my bone. My hip bone is where the cancer was. So that's where the pain was. And had they did a full, you know, markup or whatever, they probably could have caught it a little sooner, but you know, or at that time, it probably, it metastasized, right? So it's not like they can do much, but I'm now, that's been three years, what is it? It's going on three years this year, and so I'm 20, on treatment. 20 or 2022?
0: 2020. 2020,
1: wow. So now yeah. you're, everything's fine. And- well, I would say everything's fine. Everything is... Shrunk up the medication that they're giving me because I was like, I'm straight not doing chemo. Y'all not giving me that. Um, I had to be, you know, prepare my children. I know they don't want to do that. They hear me now, but I'm like, look, I know where I'm going. I know Jesus. So Mm -hmm. I'm not trying to, like, you're not going to make my life miserable by making me even sicker um, and killing the cells in my body. I'm just, I'm just not doing it. So that one doctor that I'm with, he listened to me. And now there is a chemo pill and then there's another hormonal pill. And then I had a friend that's a gynecologist that had a whole full treatment. And now it's working, but I'm still on the treatment. And what they say to me often is that it's like, am I getting a remission kind of response? And they're like, no, you'll just be in treatment. And I'm like, so I I go to the doctor every other month. I go through an IV of my bones every three months, and then I get my blood drawn to make sure that the medication is not dropping my, my white blood count cells. Um, I do that every month. So.
0: How did your kids cope then, knowing that, like, obviously there were times where you probably you probably couldn't do school rounds, you probably couldn't do a, a lot of stuff. How well, what kind of did you have?
1: You know, in 2014, I will say at the time my daughter... My oldest daughter was a senior in high school. Mm. My youngest was in seventh and eighth grade. And then at the same time, I was taking care of my mom at my house. So I recall as I was just. um, This is one of the reasons why I push for women to be aware of their emotions and sit in things and deal with things because I was not. I was just functioning and trying to get through, trying to get to work and try to do things. And. I recall there's um, through all of the markup before I did that major surgery that they bring in the clergy, right? And there was a sister, a black woman and uh, and a white male. And she looked at me and she said, do you not know you about to go through major surgery? And I was supposed to go, you know, I was going to be in ICU for three days. Like she was like, and I was just kind of like, I just keep going just you know we're gonna yeah. we're gonna be okay, so really, my children I mean I kind of told them, but I really didn't allow the space for them to even share or feel with me like oh. I think they were kind of in autopilot as well and and it it took the clergy woman to just touch me like there's something about a touch right like. To grab me and and then one of my um, friends and therapists is like, yes, touching actually helps to kind of help you to, like, stop and feel a moment. She was like, this is really bad. I'm going to need you to process. I'm going to need you to stop and think. And at the time, I just was like, I'm so overwhelmed. Like, I was so overwhelmed with my mom being sick, my daughters being alone, you know, I'm raising them. Their fathers are not there i'm doing everything and so she was like stop this is not normal you know and i just broke down like at the and then i at the time i was still embarrassed about crying you know like i was like Ugh. you know i was kind of like at the time it was kind of like she kind of poked it a little bit for me to cry because at that time you did funny <laughs> <laughs> I still didn't get it. I was just like, I'm going to try to get back to work. In fact, um, I was supposed to take off like 12 weeks. I took off like eight weeks and I was like, I'm going back to work. I'm going back to work. I mean, it was, it was, I did not allow the space. And during the time that I had the surgery, my oldest daughter, she just graduated from high school. Mm -hmm. So I was like, let me get her to, she was going through a summer program. And uh, at PV, so I was like, let me get her there. So I, be just I can't even believe I was doing all this. that yeah. on empty,
0: you didn't stop to go to yes. stations,
1: yes. Like, I was like people. running, oh my gosh, and getting yeah. her in college, moving her in college, and all of that. And then I gotta go have a major surgery, like, wow. she wasn't even there in the surgery. Like, I didn't want to, like you know, like, we try to protect there. our kids, yeah. yeah.
0: Well, thank God, fast forward now that you are fine. And I did watch one of your YouTube um, channels, um, one of your uploads, when you were talking about being angry about your diagnosis, and. Yeah. Um, I feel like I would love for you to share because I think sometimes as single moms, a lot of moms I speak on my platform, they say that they tried, they did everything right in regards to meeting the guy, possibly getting married, and then boom, the one thing they didn't want to become, for example, they became, which was a single mom. So with your cancer diagnosis, you being a single mom, how did you kind of reconcile your relationship with God?
1: Right, right, right. I think just the first part of you know, I think. Me, I didn't recognize that I was angry, and I have been angry for years. And I also think that there is a, I think that our emotions, suppressed emotions, actually make us sick. And I'm not going to say, there, it's been proven that it causes cancer and things like that. And so in my case, having the different traumas, and I believe that having babies in, as a teenager is a traumatic situation, to you and to your family and things like that. And so all the abandonment, the rejection, all that trauma, we just kind of suppress and act like, okay, I'm just going to keep moving forward. And so that has to, that stress and all of those emotions and anger, it goes through the body, you know? And so I didn't recognize it, not even in 2014, I was still kind of feeling like, hey, God is okay. God is still good. I found out early. Okay. That's a good thing. It wasn't until, like, it hit ahead in 2020 a little bit, because at the time, I did a Bible study of Hebrews, like, six, six months before. Like, I actually did the book, like, the entire book, and I really got stuck on the book of faith, which is chapter 11, where I'm going through all the books, of all the pillars of faith, studying me and God one-on-one, went through deliverance, all of that, then boom. So I had a little bit of an emotional rollercoaster in terms of, like, letting God know and then a little bit of my sexual template was altered when I was molested early as a child uh, by a stepfather. And I went through a process where I actually expressed anger to God about how could you allow a six-year-old to endure that? Like, that's very painful. And that's one of the reasons why I didn't, I had to get to the root as to why I really didn't trust God with my sex life, right? I could trust Him with everything else, but, Wow. Everything else I felt like I had to do it on my own. And when I started to express to him my true anger mm-hmm. and truly anger at him, I didn't really get this assumption that somebody like God is gonna knock me down or he's going to um he's gonna like kill me or anything like that, right? I'm like I got comfort and support and he brought me to Psalms 23 like he's my shepherd he's restoring my soul and I felt so much love so Mm -hmm. that was one point so when the cancer came on I was really expressive I was like you know what God I don't understand this. so I was really like out of like how is it that you told me like I got stage zero then now it's like stage four I mean I know we are supposed to be grateful, but I let the feeling come out and I was honest, like how I felt. the anger, um, feelings to him, you know, like it it was like, you know, my battle between what I'm supposed to believe and how I feel. Mm -hmm. And that's how the book was written. So it's, it's a combination of of a story that I'm giving with a particular scripture. You know, something that I'm relating to, it can be anything. Doesn't necessarily mean I mean it's premise on the, you know, the whole um breast cancer journey, but at the same time there's other journeys that I've had, right? And so I've had each scripture kind of relates to how I related to God. So I give a devotional to spark some self-reflection questions. So I like interaction books rather than just reading them, because I don't really complete the books that's like that. But when they have questions, I tend to complete them somehow. And then I had a writing, you know, then I wrote a book, you know, like a related prayer, and then I leave space for people to write their own prayers. And then I leave, then there's a poem I mean, that's related to that, and then I leave a space for people to kind of write. And so there's kind of like, I didn't, maybe like, it could be a day, but because it could trigger some things. It can trigger your emotions. It can trigger how you feel. So it's 11 weeks of yeah. of that kind of journey. But so do you to, not
0: feel that, like, with, with the stuff that you have been through in regards to single, your single motherhood, college, looking after your mom, your your cancer survivor story, like, if you had not been through that, we, we, you wouldn't have produced a book from the heart. Right. <laughs> and <laughs> right, I honestly, right. I honestly feel like, it annoys me sometimes as well. I'm not going to lie that. Why do I have to go through certain things to help, you know, Shaniqua behind me? <laughs> you know? Oh, you. <laughs> I go through it herself. But I've come to just embrace it. Like, do you know what? Before I, I say goodbye, I wanted to find out from you, what's one piece of advice you would give to a single mum listening
1: right now? Oh, girl. <laughs> One thing that I could say to her is I could say, "I'm sorry,
0: mm.
1: And I was sin, and you are loved, and keep getting up. Mm. Keep ah. getting up, keep going, right. keep going. Work, this is one of my coaches, Myron Golden. He says, Work always works, whether it's working on you or it's working for you. Mm -hmm. So, your children are your beauty in the ashes of what you had to deal with. So, your children will be golden. They will be most, my children are some of the amazing you know, they're they're independent, they're strong, they're, and I don't say you know, it's okay to be strong, I mean weak sometimes because I'm tired of being strong so I'm trying to get rid of that, but your kids are your, are your beauty and mm-hmm. so they will as you heal, as you focus on you and you keep doing the work you will have a legacy and it mm-hmm. will be amazing and that will be fruitful and that will make you happy Amen mm-hmm.
0: Man, that's beautiful
1: and where can people find you on social media so I'm on Instagram with single mom plus you and single mom plus you as well as on YouTube um, I also will be doing lives daily on uh, the underline on you know Instagram so I'm on Instagram personal page personal businesses I am Tanisha Manning and then business page single mom plus you so that's awesome. where people can find me well, I just want to say My thank you
0: so much for coming on the Happy Single Moms podcast your, your story is amazing and yeah I'm looking forward to seeing what you come up with this year yes. I feel like there's going to be more thank books.
1: you <laughs> yeah, I appreciate thank it thank you. you for having me I appreciate
0: no it thank you for coming